Planning a trip? Call my friend Jessica Vila from Sweet Bay Travel Concierge at 623-225-9609. While she can book a trip for you anywhere in the world, she specializes in Disney trips. If you're looking for a more luxurious and personalized cruise experience, Jessica can help you set sail in style with Disney Cruise Line's Concierge Level. This service gives you priority check-in and boarding, early access to your stateroom and show seating, free internet, exclusive character meet and greets, a private sun deck, and more. But what if you don't want concierge level and still want to take a Disney cruise? Regardless of your choice, Jessica will make sure that every aspect of your cruise is perfect. She can also book you on an Adventures by Disney world-class travel experience. With over 40 adventures over seven continents, Adventures by Disney provides a culturally immersive, once-in-a-lifetime dream vacation. You'll get VIP treatment, the world's best adventure guides, special activities for junior adventurers, and more. No matter the destination, Jessica will put together that perfect trip just for you. She will literally handle everything. Begin your new adventure by calling Jessica at 623-225-9609 or email her at jessica at sweetbaytravelconcierge.com. That's sweetbay, B-A-Y, travelconcierge.com. Why have a regular vacation when you can have a magical one? To all who come to this happy podcast, welcome. Hi, I'm Scott Jacobs, and this is season two of The Mouse and Me. On the show, I'll chat with my pals who come from all walks of Disney life, including Imagineers, dancers, technicians, directors, musicians, and stuntmen, and Broadway friends who have worked on stage and behind the scenes. We'll talk attractions, shows, food, characters, tips and tricks for planning your trip and navigating the parks, and more. Now, Put on your Mickey ears or your princess crown and enjoy season two of The Mouse and Me. Hello, Disney fans, and welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Scott Jacobs. Before we get into things, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the show, rate it, and leave a review. And if you'd like to support the show, visit patreon.com slash the mouse and me. Also, follow me on the socials by searching The Mouse and Me. We post questions, pictures, information about past, current, and upcoming guests, and we do Fun Fact Friday. And now, today's guest. She's an East Coast-based performer, singer, actor, and video editor, and has worked professionally in film, on stage, and at Universal and Disney theme parks. Some of her favorite film credits include War Cake, Sincerely, and Day 42. On stage, some of her favorite credits include her off-Broadway debut as Madison in Flying Lessons, Natalie in Next to Normal, Wendela in Spring Awakening, and Nemo in Finding Nemo the Musical at Disney's Animal Kingdom. She's also done radio events, magic events, and was an acapella singer at various resorts, Disney Springs, Disney's Hollywood Studios, and Disney Cruise Line. And speaking of cruising, she was recently seen sailing as a guest entertainer as part of the acapella group Moonshot. Please welcome the incredibly talented and wonderful Dee Quintero. Hello, Dee. Hi. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here, of course. How's it going? I'm good. How are you? I am the best ever. That That is my answer for every time someone says, how are you? That is my answer. I am the best ever because the alternative isn't as nice. That is very, very true. That's a great answer. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um Love the shirt, by the way. 
Thank you. I felt it fitting. Uh, I'm wearing <laughs> my uh, Disney Cruise Line Halloween shirt. On the back, it says Disney Cruise Line, and it's got little ghosts with little with little like Mickey hats and Mickey ears. Nice. Now, yeah. I, I'm assuming you've been to the Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party because you've worked at Walt Disney World for a while. I, yeah, I have. I loved it. I love that, Not So Scary. That's a fun event. I, I, we were just at that event this past September. First time ever doing that event, and it was a lot of fun. That Boo to You parade, unbelievable. It's so good. It's it's so good. I, I love it. And it must be what, like eight hours long? Like it seems like it went on and on. And I'm not criticizing. Like it no, was no. fantastic. Yeah, it's fantastic. They include so many characters. I feel like they pack so many punches in a in a very tiny, uh, in like a regular parade amount. But it feels so long because they include so many characters, and there are so many things happening. Mm-hmm. Um, the Dead Waltzers, obviously, the best part. I could watch <laughs> an eight hour segment of just the Dead Waltzers <laughs> for sure. Oh. It- it was a blast. I mean, hopefully we'll get to do it again. Hopefully I'll get to do the, the Christmas party. We'll see. Oh my gosh. Have you been to um Very Merry? I have never been to the Very Merry Christmas party. It's so, it's so sweet. Do, are you a, a, like a Christmas person? Like a, a holidays person? I like all of it. I mean, I, I like it because it's fun and people uh, turn nicer and, you know, they things do. are beautiful and yeah. Um, so like I'm a Halloween girly. I love Halloween. It's my season, but I I can appreciate the holidays for those reasons. People are in better spirits, and the I just love all of the colors. But um, Mickey's very merry for everybody, for people who love Hall- or for people who love Christmas, and for who are like, yeah, Christmas is fine. It is just a really really special special event, and the show is so cute. The Castle Show, you have to go. You have to go to Mickey's Very Merry and Mandatory. Please do it. Very, very it's, good. It's on it's my so list. so cute. Definitely on my list. So, Dee, there's so much, clearly, there's so much for us to talk about, and I wish we had hours and hours together. So I'm just going to jump right in with Finding Nemo, if that's okay. Yeah, please. So Finding Nemo won the Oscar for Best Animated Feature and was the first of many Pixar movies to win that award. It was also the first non-musical Disney Pixar animated feature to be transformed into an original musical production, and you played the role of Nemo. I did! What does it feel like to have been part of Finding Nemo the Musical, a show that was so popular, so beloved, and so historic? It is very... Sometimes I think about it and it feels very surreal, um, but it is an incredibly, I felt very honored to have portrayed Nemo, to have been trusted with bringing his story to life and being a part of such a monumental um, and important part of Disney history, you know? When were you in the show? I was in the show, I learned the show, um, uh, 2015. I did the show for five years. Oh, wow. And just that role? Yeah, I just did Nemo. Chances are I probably saw you several times. Maybe. Yeah. I was um I was a sub for a while and then I spent a year and some change um as a full timer. So how did you find out about the auditions for that show and, and when and where did you audition? So I auditioned in Orlando. Um I went to school here. I went to UCF for acting. I was mm-hmm. an acting major. And just being around all the time, we we scoured those audition sites for Disney, for Universal, for all of the local theaters in Central Florida. Um, 
And it was it was on their website. And a couple of friends were like, hey, are we going to this Nemo call? And we were like, I mean, I guess so. So and being from um, Orlando, we knew how crazy those calls can get. I mean, people are lining up at six o'clock in the morning. And oh, wow. we ended up so my friends and I ended up being those people who would wake up and get there by like seven. Sign in wasn't even until like nine thirty. Audition didn't start till 10, but I was like, I would rather wait on the front end than wait on the back end because sure. those call, I mean, there would be people, they would, they would close sign off at a certain time and they would be like, okay, so go grab coffee, go grab lunch, come back at, it, it's like 1030 in the morning. And they're like, come back at like four, come back mm. at 330. Cause there were, there were always so many people coming to be a part of any of these Disney projects. I think I started auditioning for that show in 2013. Where were the auditions held? Was it held at Animal Kingdom, like in the theater or in a studio and rehearsal facility? In one of the rehearsal facilities. Uh, okay. There are – it's the Animal Kingdom rehearsal facility. It's um, it's kind of in the back roads. It's on 192 in like the back areas. And, um, it's and like, is it's, that it's, where you rehearse the show as well? Yeah, that is. And how long was your rehearsal process? My rehearsal process, I think it was – I think it was like six to eight weeks. It was a whirlwind. And that was in the studio the whole time. Uh, when did you ultimately move over to the theater? And like, did you have a, a put in rehearsal? Yeah. So we rehearsed. So all of like the music learning, all of the puppeteering that we had to learn, all of the blocking, all of like the, we really honed the show in the rehearsal studio. And I think we were there. We were there for about for maybe it was six weeks because we were there for about a month and then okay. the last like week the last like week we were in like overnights quote unquote which at the time was very great because most overnights in this town are true overnights where you're not you can't get into where you need to go until the park closes right but we really lucked out because the last show for finding nemo was i think at the time it was like five so our overnights could start at six or seven. And then we were there until one, where most times you're not even getting onto the stage until 1 a.m. And you're leaving your rehearsal site or your, your venue at like five, four in the morning. So we really, we really lucked out. And we spent that last week um, in the theater, getting acquainted with the theater, doing all of our costumes and getting all of the tech and doing all of our cue to cues. And then we just did runs. We just run, ran and ran and ran and ran the show until our approvals. So you said we ran the show. So was that a full new cast coming in or just certain characters running the show? Yeah. So for my for my cast um, specifically, we were only missing one role okay. from the entire cast. And so someone from someone who was already in the show would come in and fill in for that role once we started doing full runs. Typically, regardless of what cast members you're missing, once you get into full runs, they will bring people in. They will bring full-timers or they will bring in subs who are already approved and do the show to come run so that you're able to do a full run. It's like very, very specific and like emergency moments that you're only, that it's just you. Okay. Yeah. Now, how long did it take before you were not consciously thinking of operation of the puppet and were just in the flow? Oh, it took me a long time. <laughs> it took me a lot. It took me a long time. Puppeteering was so difficult for me. I, it wasn't even that it was difficult. It's that they, the puppeteering specialists at Disney are phenomenal. 
They are some of the best. And they are so specific about how you hold the puppets. And those puppets are heavy. Like Nemo's not – I mean, she's light or he's light in comparison to Bruce or, mm-hmm. you know, one of the others. But for me, I'm a tiny human and I'm <laughs> living in these like weird positions to get Nemo and they want at a very specific angle so that you can see the eyes. And it took me a long time to – it took a long time for muscle memory to really set in what those angles are. Is there a time you can think of when the puppets surprised you or you felt like Nemo was doing his own thing and you were along for the ride? Yeah. A lot of times I would find a lot I would feel that way a lot in Big Blue World. There's um once once the once the uh the panels open up and the ensemble is there and they have the coral fans and they have the uh, the anglerfish and they have all of these different things I my blocking was to run around and be in awe of all of these things. And I, there were a lot of times where I would be running around and I really did kind of feel like Nemo was leading the way. It was very mm. cool. And then there was another time where Nemo's eye, eye blink broke. And I was like, Nemo, what are you doing, my buddy? <laughs> what are you doing? And then he really had a mind of his own. I'm assuming there was a backup Nemo puppet, yeah? Yeah, yeah, there was. It was in uh, it was in the tank when I was singing with the tank gang, when we sang We Swim Together. Okay. And – I I had just done Where's My Dad? And I remember I looked at one of the people and I felt boom. And I I looked and Nemo is literally blinking. And one <laughs> of his and I was like, maybe if I can like jam it up there. It did not work. So I ended up making the choice to um to have Nemo like in a bird box moment where I was I just held his eyes closed until finally when we got off of that number, they were like, here's your new puppet for the rest of the day. And I was like, thank you so much. <laughs> so it was now, pretty immediate. Were there only two versions of Nemo? Um, yeah. So we have we had like main show Nemo and then there was a uh, the rehearsal puppet. So the okay. manager's giving me the rehearsal puppet. I'm sure that there are more in the back rooms, but those are the only two that I ever really um, touched. Okay. And how many puppet craftspeople are there for each show and how often is maintenance done on the puppets? I'm pretty sure that for Nemo, it was a specific company that came in and designed those. And yeah, I'm not I'm not entirely sure. I just okay. know that sometimes they'd be like, here you go, Nemo's out and here's here's rehearsal Nemo while they go refurb. Um it wasn't it wasn't terribly often. Um it was mainly when when something needed to be fixed. But for the most part, like they, the in-house people did a really good job of making sure that those puppets stayed, stayed really pristine. Okay. How do you create the synergy between actor and puppet so that it becomes one character? That was very challenging. It was a lot of, the synergy came with repetition of learning for I I had to really compartmentalize what everything was so that then I could go back and look like playing piano where you can't you have to know what each finger is doing. I needed to know what each finger was doing before I could make my full chord to create mm-hmm. that synergy. So once I figured out, okay, my blinks, figuring out when to blink fit here, figuring out how I wanted to move the mouth during certain lines. And then once I figured out that technical element, I was able to infuse myself and infuse the choices and then go back and make things specific. But I, I had to figure out the technique first before I could blend in the emotion. Gotcha. Yeah. Now you said you did the role for five years. How did you keep the role fresh show after show? 
there was there's so much happening on that stage and there's so many new things to discover in that set that that really helped and the way that scheduling worked we always had peop- we always had different cast members filtering in in and out of shows and so sometimes i would be with the same marlin all day or sometimes my last marlin would be a different marlin and that helped to keep things fresh because each you had different choices or you had different moments with different actors and gotcha. so that that helped to oh today i've got today i know i've got these four people and that for my first two shows and my last show two of these people are the same but these other two people are different so i get to have a new mixture of moments and that that really helped keep things fresh that was really cool now once you were in the show what did a typical day look like for you so you get up in the morning you know you, you eat breakfast you, you get dressed you, you go to animal kingdom and then what and then i so i would get to the trailer and I really lucked out. As Nemo, I really lucked out. I didn't have – I could do like minimal makeup if I wanted to do makeup at all. So a lot of times I would just go and bring my lunch or bring my breakfast and just hang out, chat with people. We would have great, great um, conversations in the dressing room. I learned so much from the women that were around me and from a lot of the men that were around me. And we would just hang out for that hour while everybody was getting ready and then we would just we would start the show and we really lucked out so our show was very long finding nemo was about i think it was like 38 to 40 minutes somewhere around there okay and our shows were scrunched so we just did back to back to back shows so we did the 40 we were off for that 15 20 minutes and we would do the next one and depending on what track you were in that determined how many shows you were allowed to do um, per the union. Mm-hmm. And so for Nemo, I only, my max was three shows. So I would come in in the morning. I would hang out for that hour, chat with people. We would have a really, really good pre-show moment. We would do our three shows and then we could leave. So you did three shows back to back. So it yeah. wasn't like you did a show and then someone else did Nemo for the next show and then you were in for the following show. Right. Okay. So in a, in a six show day, there would be Nemo, the first Nemo, and then there would be the second Nemo. Okay. Sometimes, sometimes it would. Sometimes you would luck out, and you would get like a one shift, a one show shift, and we call that the Broadway schedule, <laughs> <laughs> um, just based on on the Matrix and how many shows you. Because you were allowed to do X amount of shows in a day, X amount of shows in a week, and X amount of shows in a month, and just kind of based on who, how you were scheduled, and who got scheduled what. Typically, it was you would do three shows, and then you're out. And then okay. the next cast would come in and do the rest of those three shows. Now, with that sh- original show being so long, did you have a lot of opportunity to do like meet and greets afterwards? We we did, yeah. We tried to keep it – we tried to be very cognizant of people's time. So we, n- there were never meet and greets that were like required. Um, but we were we were able to, to usually squeeze in a meet and greet. Okay. Yeah. Because I just saw – Finding Nemo, The Big Blue and Beyond. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. When was this? Uh, probably mid-March. Uh, I'm sorry. The the end of March. And uh, I had Billy Flanagan on as a guest on the podcast. And then Love I got to Billy. meet him finally in person. Because we've been talking on the phone and texting and all the ways that you can communicate with the exception of, of like smoke signals at, <laughs> for months. you know. And then, of course, we spent two hours face-to-face like you and I are doing, doing the interview. And then 
I finally got to meet him at one of the meet and greets after the show. And boy, was he wonderful. Billy, Billy is a gem. Like there's a reason that he's a Disney legend. He is one of the most kind men I've ever met in my life. Mm -hmm. He's such a, such a beautiful person. Yes, he is. He is. And, And for the listeners, if you haven't listened to that episode well actually it's a two-parter if you haven't listened to those episodes do yourselves a favor listen to those episodes he really is a lot of fun full of information yes yeah so uh, such a such a well of knowledge such a well of experience Mm -hmm. i i adore that man Mm -hmm. what did you love most about playing the role of nemo i loved i loved the journey that Nemo got to go on Hmm. from being, from starting as this like chaotic ball of energy and really getting to navigate how he then becomes a more enlightened chaotic ball of energy, (laughs) (laughs) you know? And, and I feel like every time I, I did a show, I got to find new ways to explore how to take him from point A to point B in all of these givens. And, how to really justify all of those things. I don't know. I it, it feels like there was so many different there are so many different ways to to get Nemo from point A to point B and my favorite thing was every every show felt different because there were just so many different choices that you could make. So many different ways to emphasize certain words and that was very cool. Like the the script is just so so good and the music is so good and it really lends itself to being different every time. Sure. Well, one thing that's consistent, and I've seen the show several times, uh, both versions of the show, and uh, I'm going to try and get through this. At the end of the show, when you have Nemo and Marlin, and Nemo swims away, Mm -hmm. and then he goes back to Marlin and gives him a hug, and then he swims away again, that whole love and the whole letting go and being okay with letting go. Like, yeah. it gets me every time because, you know, my son is 18 and he's graduating high school in a month. And I have no choice but to let go because he's going away to college. Right. And even before he was 18, like I said, I've seen the show several times. And even when Ben was younger, the thought of that moment happening got to me. Yeah. And at the end of March, when I saw it, oh, it destroyed Tears. me. Yeah, mm. that is that's a really regr- a really really great moment in the show. That is such a great moment, and the one that follows right after when Nemo swims away and he's like, "Bye, Dad," mm. and the "Bye, Son." Oh, and they have that. It, there's a beautiful like actor to actor moment. It, Tears. Mm. There were a couple times where I would really get welled up. My last day um, of, of my contract, I really got emotional. I was like. <laughs> I know that I'll be back in two weeks. I'm on the schedule, but I just love this so much. (laughs) Oh, just hearing your voice say that. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. uh, Yeah. What was the most challenging part of doing that show? The puppeteering. I mean, for sure. The puppeteering kept me, it it gave me nightmares. (laughs) (laughs) It was conceptually, I understood so well what was happening and then I would get up there and I would be like have I ever held this puppet before and (laughs) the rehearsal rehearsals are really rehearsal processes in general are very difficult 
but especially for this process, it was the hardest thing I've ever done for sure. And it was a lot of it was because of that puppeteering. It was, it's so specific. The puppet is so huge. It's at such weird angles. You have to like the specificity of the blinks and the specificity of the mouth and making sure it's not too open, but it's got to be wide enough when you're doing these notes, but it, it can be quite, you know, it can be smaller in these moments and the eyes and three quarter versus half versus the, it, the puppeteering was the hardest thing about that entire role. What part of the show did you most look forward to every performance? That's my dad. Mm. I love that's my dad. I love the release that's that it is of this huge moment for Nemo and vocally it was the most fun. That mm. that those notes at the end that that's my dad like I loved I loved getting up there. I loved living up there. I loved letting it ring. I yep. I loved that moment. Mm. What's the craziest thing that happened during a performance? There was one show I don't I don't remember what happened, but something faulted. Something with the puppet faulted. Or the set? With the set. Oh, okay. Something happened with the, it was the tank. The tank didn't move. Some, something happened where the tank didn't do something. And I was, <laughs> I was waiting. Um, I, I was waiting on the slide. I slid down and I got on, I got off, I got on stage and uh, Marlon meets me. And we were like, ha ha. And then Dory comes out and she's like, follow me, everybody. And we were like, okay. So we <laughs> swam off into the wings. And we were like, what's happening? And I, we were waiting to – we were just kind of waiting there. And eventually the show did come back up. But when it came back up, it didn't come back at the right restart point. And they Whoops. were just like, okay, go, go, go. So me and Marlon ran out and we were like, ha. And he goes – I'm glad you're okay, Nemo. And I was like, yeah, dad, me too. <laughs> and then we just started laughing hysterically until finally the group brunette, um, the group brunettes came in, but we were just, we were dying. And that was one of the weirdest things. We were like, what is happening? Who, who broke something somewhere? And how did we, it just felt like all of the dominoes fell in such a perfect way that it was kind of crazy and very much like, how did we get here? What is this? How did so many things go wrong in one in one moment? Oh goodness! Oh, when God. I did the tour of Singing in the Rain, I mean, things happened to me on stage. But one sure. thing that I will never forget, yeah, I was watching from the wings the number Singing in the Rain, and when the character of Don Lockwood jumped up on the lamppost, the big ball at the top fell on the stage, <gasps> bounced into the audience, and rolled down the aisle. And of, I mean, of course, you know, uh, Keith c continued to to sing and dance. You know, he's not going to sure. just stop. But, you know, we're all looking like, ooh, this is new. How do, <laughs> you know, what's what do going we do? to happen? And so one brave, <laughs> one brave audience member, bless her heart. She she walked up to the front of the stage with this big ball and just set it gently right at the front of the stage and sat down very calmly and quietly. And, you know, the number continued. It, it was very, very interesting. But, you know, no one was hurt. Um, I think that the audience, you know, uh, I, I think they smiled. I, I think that they laughed. I mean, it was definitely not sure. the norm. So hmm. I they love know. those fun theater moments. 
Oh, they're the best. There was another time that I had the hiccups. Oh, no. Yes. And I did the entirety of Big Blue World. And I was like, in the big blue world. <laughs> and I I get off stage. And the, I had like two or three texts. And they were like, we need to change your pack. We need to change your pack. Something's wrong with your pack. They were panicking. And I was – I really should have just been like, wow, crazy. Yeah, that that – pack situation tech am i right but i in the moment i was like no no it's me i have the hiccups I, it's not you i promise <laughs> it's me fantastic. i have the hiccups yep so i remember a time when i <laughs> when i was doing a sound check for singing in the rain okay and i on purpose did don't frown too <gasps> way you got on, on and so i could see the sound guy <laughs> in the back freaking out i'm like no no no! i'm kidding i'm kidding it was me and of course everyone's laughing so i get it good for oh, you thank you thank you God, and, i mean really i'm so assuming funny. they had a good sense of humor they did yeah they laughed they were they okay, were like good. oh oh and i was like i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> nice. horrible yeah i know you played nemo but yeah. who's your favorite puppet in the show my favorite puppet is crush i think mm. the crush puppet is so cool i think i would be terrified to be the female track that gets into crush to do all of the blinks in the mouth but i think it's such a cool puppet i think the way that he's designed is so interesting also he's huge he's the size of a beetle of a volkswagen beetle he's massive Uh, you said a a woman goes into the puppet itself but the the character the actor that's singing on top of crush is a male yes so why a female? Was it just really tight and you needed a really small person? Yes. Okay. Yep. Yep. It's a it's a very it's a very small space in there. And they it's so fun to watch them climb in and out of the puppet. It's so it's 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 a trip. It's a trip. But yeah, so they're in there controlling all of the blinks in the eyes while the crush actor gets to be wailing. Well, I'm telling you, I'm so glad that Go with the Flow is still in the new version. Oh, it would be a travesty if it wasn't. Of all the shows you have, you ha- of all the numbers, you had to keep that one. Now, have you seen the new version? Um, I have not seen it live. I've seen it online. Okay. What What'd you think about it? I think I'm a little biased because I know I, I did the show pre-pandemic, but I think that for knowing knowing what the intentions were, I think that they did a good job of keeping the highlights of. Finding Nemo. So I'd like to talk to you about your time as a guest entertainer on Disney Cruise Line. Yeah, that was cool. Do you still do that? I uh, I do, but not with as much frequency. Um, I truthfully, I, I was like, I need a minute to catch my equilibrium a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. So I I had my last cruise... I think in February of this year. Um, okay. And so like the door isn't like closed on that. I was like, let me just let me just get a couple months to to get my bearings back. How did you get booked on that? So I went through a it's a third party company here in town, and they they had pitched themselves for so back at the end of 2021, uh, Disney was doing a Panama Canal crossing. And they were looking for a ton of guest entertainers for that crossing. And you had to have two shows. And so uh, the acapella group that I was with, Moonshot, they had pitched themselves um, 
for that cruise because they were able to do uh, a pop show and then also a Christmas show because it was happening in November. And over midway through that cruise, it was going to become Mickey's Very Merry Time. Mm, Okay. So everybody needed to have a holiday set and also a regular set. And so they did and they booked it. And my best friend is in the promo and he's like an original cast member or original group member. And the two girls, the two women weren't able to do the two week cruise. Um, so then, and I'm very good friends with everybody. And I, I texted and I was like, Hey, I, I had been on hold for that same cruise for another group within a very similar company. And so I texted one of the girls who like overlaps and I was like, Hey girly, I, I was already on hold for this. So can I just go do this one? And she was like, Oh my gosh, of course. Yes. I, yes, obviously. And so that's kind of how I got involved. Um, nice. I've been performing with that, with most of them for, I mean, years, almost a decade. So it was very, it was very like, it was, it felt very fortuitous that their group booked it. And then I was available for the two weeks. And I was like, two weeks where I get to go hang out with my friends. Yes, absolutely. Nice. Uh, yes. Now, was that the first time you had done the Panama Canal? Yes. Isn't it amazing? Oh, it's so cool. <laughs> I, know. I, I was in awe of every lock. I stayed. The, I sat in the front of that boat, watching in the morning, and I had I had it on the TV the whole day. I was like, I know that this looks. It's going to be what this 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 crossing this cute little channel that we're in is going to be the same thing the entire time that we're here. But I will be watching all of this, and it's a. I mean, it's a full day event, and right. it was so cool. It was really cool. And and you truly went through the entire canal because I know some ships will go in a lock and they'll go into one of the lakes and they'll turn around and go back out. Oh, yeah, no, we did the full, full crossing. the full crossing. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Now, now, what ship were you on for that cruise and where did you start and where did you end? So I was on the Wonder and okay. we started we started in San Diego. Um, We hit up. We hit up a, a couple, I think it was like three, three ports in Mexico on the way down. Okay. And then when we crossed, we did the full crossing and then we hit like, where did we hit? We hit Colombia and I know we hit Cozumel and I think we hit another port and then we ended in um, Galveston in Texas. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Isn't San Diego just I loved gorgeous. it. It was amazing. I wish I had been able to. So they flew us out the day before and I wish I had, I wish I I had had the uh, foresight to be like, Hey, can you just, can, if you're, if you're going to fly me out anyway, can you just fly me out like a day or two earlier? So then I could have really, really, truly spent a lot of time in San Diego. I loved it. It was Mm -hmm. so pretty. And the food, the food was so good. I found this amazing gastrobub. It was so cool. The food's amazing. The weather is perfect. Oh my gosh. If you can get over to Coronado Island, that's amazing. Some of the houses there are just, oh, um, there's this one house where it's, it's facing San Diego and the roof line looks just like something out of Snow White, like a cottage that you would see in Snow White. I'll find that picture. Not not at this moment. It'll take me a little bit to find it, but I'll find that photo and I will send that to you. It's really unbelievable. I've never seen a roof like this. And I happened to be just walking in front of a couple of the houses and one of the owners is like, oh, uh, you know, 
can I help you? I'm like, oh, we're just looking, you know, they're so beautiful. Oh, well, do you want a tour? I'm like, uh, sure. And Correct. they gave me a tour of the entire property. Wow. Crazy. I'll send That's you those local. photos too. Please, please send them yeah. over. I used to be a guest entertainer on cruise ships. I had a two-person comedy tap dance show called On Tap. And my tap partner, Darren Chumbly, he and I went everywhere. And our cabin situation, like we were very fortunate. We had a passenger cabin, most of the time in a crew area, sometimes in a passenger area. What was your cabin situation like? We were very, very fortunate. So on the wonder... On the Wonder, on that Panama Canal crossing, the two-week crossing, we were in interior guest rooms. And then once we got we – beca- we, we started a really amazing friendship with the cruise director. And the cruise director is the one who got us on the fantasy, which is where I was for a majority of last year. Mm. And uh, when we got to the fantasy, we were in guest rooms that had a porthole or sometimes a veranda. So we were lucky that the whole time we were in guest rooms, we had guest privileges, and we were in guest areas. We weren't allowed in crew areas, which was fine. You know what I mean? They're, they're okay. doing their own thing. We could be in – the only time we were allowed to be in crew areas was like right before the show, right before any of the shows, we could be in our like backstage area. Okay. But for the most part, it was like, here you go. Here's your, here's your really awesome passenger cabin with a big porthole. <laughs> I know, right? Ugh. Now, I, I wonder why they didn't let you into crew areas. So when we got on, it was still very – we were still very much in the midst of pandemic and pandemic mm. mode. Okay. And when we got on, they were in the process of uh, taking back some of the like, – like easing up on some of those restrictions. But a lot of it was because they wanted to keep everybody in their own bubble. Okay. So – we we were our own bubble. Guests were their own bubble. We were kind of lumped in with the guests. Um, and then crew was their own separate bubble. Okay. Yeah. Now, you mentioned that on that two-week crossing that you did two full shows. Was that the case on every cruise that you did? Or did it depend on the length of the cruise and the cruise director? So it depended on the season. Okay. Really. So we have some moonshot on on Disney Cruise Line, um, we ended up having three separate shows, three separate 45-minute shows. We had our our Disney, regular Disney, all-year-round show. Um, we had our holiday Christmas show, and then we had a, a Halloween show called Squad Ghouls. So for very mar- for that, that Panama Canal, the two-week, we performed twice. We performed the 45 minute Disney show. And then we performed the Christmas show because of what was happening for all of the other cruises. We would perform the way that it was structured was we would get on, we would get on board on a Tuesday. We would meet the ship in St. Thomas and we would fly out from Jamaica, usually the following Wednesday or Tuesday, the following Tuesday. Mm, I lied the following Wednesday. It was a Wednesday (laughs) to Wednesday. Um, don't lie to me, D. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. So many days that just <laughs> just melt into your honestly, time, time was so irrelevant. Time was a social construct. People yes. would be like, what are you doing on this date? And I was like, you have to help me out and be I, I can't. What are you doing next Tuesday? I don't 
point to me on the calendar where <laughs> where it is, and we'll go from there. Um, I, I totally, totally understand that. Yeah. Oh, a mess, especially on the ship where you're like, I I know I'm on day four of your cruise. People are like, oh my god, what are you doing? And I was like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so, so we would fly we would meet the ship on a Wednesday and we would leave on a Wednesday and in that time we would see two different cruises so we would be on the back end of cruise A and we would start cruise B so we would have our main stage show one night for cruise A and then we would have it again on that Saturday for cruise B and then the other another night we would have a lounge show so in total we kind of had four or five different shows because that lounge show was like a 25 minute pop show of of no Disney music just like pop songs um the only time that we needed to have two of those main shows like we did for the Panama Canal crossing was we we happened to be on board when when the ship was crossing over into Halloween and then we were also on board when the ship was crossing over into Christmas so on those crossovers they asked us to do the first half normal, our normal show. And then the second half they wanted Halloween because they had Halloween was starting that day. Gotcha. Same with Christmas. This this Christmas this cruise is all normal. We're out of Halloween. It doesn't matter. But on Saturday, the whole thing changes over to Christmas. Can you start your Christmas show? How did you stay in shape both vocally and physically while on board? We we were very fortunate to have access to the gym. Uh, I definitely spent a little bit of time there. I tried to be up and mobile as much as I can, as much as I could, even if it was just walking laps around um, deck four. On deck four, they have you can walk around the whole length of the ship, mm-hmm. and I think if you do it three or four times, it's like a mile. Okay, I did that a couple times, and really, it was just trying to like. There were definitely a lot of days where I would do nothing and I would lay in my bed, and I, especially as the cruises started to get more full. I was like, I don't have the energy to go see people. But for the most <laughs> part, <laughs> I can't do this. But I I would find ways in my day to take the stairs a little extra to go to the gym in the morning on this time or to just like really even just do like random movements in my cabin and do like yoga in my cabin. Gotcha. Just that's that's really how I tried to stay in shape. My uh <laughs> one of my best friends, Tony, um, he is a gym rat and he would just spend hours in the gym. He was wow. like, this is where I will be living. And I was like, you know what? Godspeed. I'll be here for 45 minutes and I'll see you at dinner. <laughs> Have fun. <laughs> what was the most challenging aspect for you of performing on ships? The rooming situation gets challenging, I think. Um, in a group of five, we had three cabins. Mm-hmm. And it was difficult for... I think it's just, I think it's a difficult ask of five fully grown individual adults to be in these quarters when it's, if it's a one, if it's one time, you know, it's, it is what it is. If it's once a month, you know, it's not a big deal. Um, But when we, we were on every other week and so that got challenging and we had to really I like buddied up early with my best friend and I was like, I know that we cohabitate together. We can figure out how to make this work. Let's do this because I we're all everybody has their own things. You know what I mean? Everybody has their own quirks. Sure. And so that that was challenging. We we figured it out and I think we did a good job. 
I know at the end they they were able to have a rotation, which was cool, so that someone could get the solo room. You know what I mean? So that sure, we all sure. had the opportunity to get the solo room. And honestly, sometimes like one of the biggest challenges that I faced was the rocking of the ship. Mm-hmm. Oh, there were some there were some cruises where I, I would take a step forward and the floor was not where I left it. You know, and it was <laughs> yes. very the amount of I mean, truly my last year was sponsored by Dramamine. <laughs> oh gosh. And I I have a pretty strong stomach, but there were some nights where I was like, I'm not gonna chance this. It's it already feels this way, and we've just left port. You know what? We're just gonna take two Dramamine, we're gonna be fine. It's the non-drowsy, we'll be good to go for this for this show. But that that was definitely a challenge. And to just like watch as all of us tried to stay of like just kind of staying, um, staying upright and not falling over. Mm-hmm. It was it was pretty comical, but it was a challenge. That there were there were several times where our ship was rolling, pitching, mm-hmm. crazy, and there was this one number that Darren and I did, and it was um, take the A train, stomping at the Savoy medley. So okay. throwback to like what the forties, and so there was this one part in the music where the music went. So you had like three hits of the bum bum. And on that part of the music, we jumped up in the air and did a double click of our heels. So click, click down, step, 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 click, click down. Oh my gosh. So one night when it was rough weather, it was normal. The first one was normal. The second time, the ship happened to be down in like the trough. So we had some significant airtime. It oh, felt like we never landed. Right. Then the next time the ship was up. And so we hit, hit, boom. And we hit right away. And I swear it felt like we went through the floor. So oh I get it. I get it. Trying it's to so walk hard. on those things, trying to perform on those things. It can be a challenge. Yeah. I yeah. would watch those dancers. I would watch those dancers who would be doing these incredible tours or these crazy lifts. And I'd be like, you know what? Godspeed, Spider-Man, because <laughs> I have a hard enough time walking on my show. I can't imagine having to be dancing in the way that you're dancing right now. It definitely requires a whole different mental state and use of muscles that you didn't think you had. Correct. And then you'd, you'd wake up the next day and you're like, why am I sore? Oh, because last <laughs> night the boat was skipping like a rock on the water. That's right. That's right. That's, right. <laughs> that's how, that's really how you keep in shape. You know, it's just the, the water does it for you. This is true. <laughs> so you mentioned, you know, trying to stay in the same cabin with someone. I, to my recollection, and, and maybe Darren will, will correct me, but, you know, we, we were in Finland. And we went to this marketplace and they had all these different, you know, uh, 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 candies and meats and cheeses and garlic. And I love garlic, love garlic. And so I got this garlic, these bulbs, obviously, you know, in, in a sealed container. And, you know, Darren had a piece and I had many pieces and he would have, you know, a random piece here and there. But, you know, he didn't love garlic as much as I did. So we get back to the ship. I set the tub of garlic, you know, out on the counter. Every time I opened the tub in that small enclosed cabin, he was ready to murder me. That's the challenge. That's the challenge of living with another person. You're like, I, I, here is this thing that is smelly. Good luck. (laughs) (laughs) For better or for worse. (laughs) He was ready to shove me through the porthole. I, 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 I could sense it. 
Yep. Oh, well. I, I was um, – I was really fortunate. There were quite a few cruises that we they would give us the conjoined rooms. And so the three like full-timers, quote unquote, were um we would end up getting the we would we would finagle our way into getting these conjoined rooms mm. so that we could have one big room. And it really worked out when one of the men would um, you know, be having a fun time at a meeting in their toilet. And I was like, this, I need to leave this room immediately. <laughs> and I would go to the next room and I would like barely close the doors and I'd be like, when when this is done, when you're done, you let me know. You let me know. Because whatever you ate, you're not eating that again on this cruise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stay away from the buffet. Yeah, oh, yeah. Don't do that. You're lactose intolerant? Stay away from the lactose. We're not doing this. <laughs> <laughs> So we talked about the most challenging aspect. What did you love most about the Disney ships? I loved I loved the kids on the Disney ships. They were so cute. We had the cutest audience members. There was one girl, I'll never forget her. There was one girl, she I I sang Moana in one in one of the tracks. I, I ended up learning both female tracks. And in one of the tracks I was singing Moana. And she I mean she was belting at the top of her lungs. And I, I ended up like singing the song to her and like with her. And I was like, give it up for, I can't remember her name. Give it up for, um, oh my gosh. It doesn't matter. I, I forgot her name, but she was so cute. And she had these cute little <laughs> dads. And I was like, you're going to be our, you're going to be our sixth member. Like you're going to, you're in. And she walked up to the stage and she was like ready to go. And I was like, I was like, listen, we're going to pay you for rehearsals. I'm not having you come up here. We're going to sell success. We'll pay you for rehearsals. <laughs> I will get in touch with your dads. It'll be great. And she was so, she was just so cute. And we saw her a couple of times throughout that cruise. And some of those kids were just so sweet. Mm-hmm. And so when when we would sing Encanto, their eyes would just light up and they would do the singing for us. You know, they I just those kids were so so sweet. I can't even talk. Mm -hmm. They were very mm -hmm. cute. Getting to connect with all those kids was really cute. And the travel. I found a lot of really cool places. We found a lot of really great dives. I found so many cool dives like in Cozumel and Grand Cayman yeah, the, the travel aspect. I wish I wish that – I hope that I get to do a similar contract in new ports so that I can find those special places elsewhere. You know what I mean? Like I'm very sure. fortunate to have found those places in the Caribbean and I can't wait to continue to explore and find those special places throughout the world. It'll happen. Yeah. It's so cool. We found this turtle farm that for like 20 bucks you could go and snorkel with turtles. There's – it's – it's just Amazing. a ma a massive lagoon they've built and there's just turtles and fish and you just go and hang out and the turtles get right up to you. They're like, hey, buddy, what you doing? And you're <laughs> like, oh, hey, turtle, you frightened me when you grazed <laughs> me with your fin. It's that was really, really cool. You and several others had your start at the same theater programs going all the way back to middle school in the Fort Lauderdale area. Were the arts particularly emphasized in those schools? And how do you feel about today's students when we hear about arts programs losing their funding? It breaks my heart to hear how the arts are usually the first ones to lose their funding. Mm -hmm. You can, I think that the arts are so, I, I know that the arts are so important. They, they, 
the lessons that I learned in my arts programs are invaluable. Not even just, you know, technique that I have carried with me into my professional life, but in my personal life, the lessons on empathy, on understanding where a person's coming from, understanding circumstances and how circumstances can affect a person and how they're acting, you know, I think that those things are so, they're invaluable. You can't learn that anywhere else. Mm. You you can, but I think that from a very, very early age in the arts is where you learn those things. And in such an incredible context that you don't even really realize that those are the things that you're learning until you're up applying them in your real life, right? Because mm-hmm. in this moment, you're like, oh yeah, I'm studying this script and I'm playing this character. And why am I saying this thing? And then it becomes, oh, my friend and I just got into this fight. I wonder why she said this to me. Oh, because of these things that have happened, right? And it really, those, th- those are the things that people don't think about that a lot of the times suits, we'll call them, we call them like the suits. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times that's not what they're thinking about. And because the arts is something that is not necessarily quantifiable, it feels like the thing that will be cut first and it should be the thing that is cut last. Mm -hmm. And I was really fortunate growing up that I was fortunate that in my house, the arts were very prevalent. I'm Hispanic. So music was a huge part of growing up. My mom also loves movies she was kind of a cinephile and she would, we would go to, we would go and she would, she would pick out movies and she'd be like, you have to see this movie. This is a great movie. If you've never seen this movie, this movie's great. And she, she really helped me grow my love of film and my love of the arts. And they were always very encouraging. And so when I got to middle school, it never felt, growing up, the arts never felt like they were less than. They were, they always, it always felt like these are your elective choices and all of them feel equal, at least when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. It didn't feel like, oh, you're going to pick that. It didn't feel that way. It was just like, okay, here are the different electives that you can choose from. Here you go. And I always just, and then maybe that's just me specific because I knew I wanted to be a part of the arts. I knew from a very early age that I wanted to be a creative. So I was very fortunate that the programs that I had were very funded. And if they were not funded, I I know that they were not as funded as sports, but I was very fortunate in that my teachers never made it feel like they were super underfunded. Mm -hmm. If I knew it was because I had conversations with them because I had very, very good relationships with my my drama teachers and they would be very honest with us. Mm -hmm. But I never felt like my programs were struggling or like they were being treated as less than or they were, I, I knew what was happening because I was an informed kid, but it never felt that way. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It does. Yeah, yeah. 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 Now, if you hadn't chosen a career in the arts, what other field would you have pursued? Isn't Dee just wonderful? Be sure to listen to next week's episode where we chat about her favorite show and snack in the parks, why Haunted Mansion is her top attraction, and so much more. Please subscribe to the show, rate, and leave a review, and tell all of your friends if you liked it. And if you didn't like it, tell your enemies. Also, follow me on social media and visit patreon.com slash me to support the show. Thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you have the best day ever, and see you real soon. Mm-hmm.